Welcome to the RV Podcast, Episode 403. And this week we ask the question, has the RV boom come to an end? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the RV Podcast, episode 403, where we talk about uh, the RV boom. Has it come to an end? If so, what does it mean to consumers, RV buyers? We'll talk about that in our next segment. But uh, first of all, I'm Mike Wevelin, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And we just finished celebrating the 4th of July. And a great 4th of July it was. Yep. Uh, beautiful weather in uh, the Midwest where we happen to be. Uh, we plan to spend uh, most of this week uh, in uh, Kentucky uh, on kind of like a little mini vacation with our son and, uh, and uh, his wife and our two grandkids. And uh, we're going to just uh, do a lot of family stuff, uh, I think, this weekend. Maybe we'll do a couple things for the adults later towards the end of the week. We'll tell you about that next week, but... It should be fun. Kentucky's a great place. Always enjoy Kentucky. Yeah, we have. Um, want to remind you, if you have a comment about anything we you hear in the podcast today, or if you have a question about the RV lifestyle, you can reach us uh, through our private email. It's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. We'll try and repeat that later on in the podcast and uh, uh, give you a chance to write it down and send us your notes. But first of all, some really big news, and uh, its uh, I don't want to claim credit for it because I wrote about this uh, about a week ago uh, in uh, last week's podcast, and I talked about it, uh, Starlink. And I noted that one of the big uh, complaints about Starlink is you had to set it up and take it down every time. You weren't supposed to set it up and run it from point to point as you were in motion. But uh, I did hint that I thought a change was coming. And indeed, uh, that change has happened. Uh, responding to the RV podcast, so I wish, uh, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission has given Starlink approval. They did this last week to permit the uh, satellite internet uh, constellation uh, to be used uh, in airlines, on airplanes as you travel, in shipping vessels, vessels out on the big seas, in trucks, and other moving vehicles such as RVs, and that is really big news. That uh, kind of completes the the big hole in Starlink, as I was complaining about last week, the fact that you couldn't really use it point to point, uh, and that you had to rely on cellular communications when you were in motion uh, instead of uh, the, the Starlink system. Now, some people have gotten away with it. They've figured out how to do it. They've set up little jury-rigged systems. Starlink says they can revoke their membership in Starlink if they do that, because it's not ready yet. Um, but we are very excited by this. Uh, we don't know when this is going to come about, I think, fairly soon. Uh, and uh, they probably will involve, it'll probably involve a different antenna for a different dish, or dishy, as Starlink calls it. But point-to-point, um, -point, in-motion use Starlink is just right around the corner now for, uh, for the many users of this uh, awesome high-speed internet system. So, pretty excited about that. That's good news. That is. And I also have a happy story about a missing cat. And this is a, a happy story. One Texas family is celebrating today after Max, the cat, was found after being lost in Maine after their RV crashed in an accident. 
Max, a black cat with green eyes, was with his family on a camping trip when their motorhome crashed on their way to Acadia National Park after a tire blew out and the RV went off the road. While no one was seriously hurt, good news, in the crash, in the confusion, Max escaped into the woods and could not be found. Long story short, after the family and towing company could not find Max, the family had to leave, but 11 days after the accident, the cat was found by a towing company employee and reunited with his family. I bet you that employee was out there looking, had a soft spot for cats and wanted uh, that family to be united. You know, it's a happy ending. It's a good uh, reason everybody should have on your pet, uh, on their collar, your phone number, its name, all that sort of stuff, and I'm, I'm sure they probably did here in this. But animals, when uh, they get spooked, sometimes in a strange place, sometimes by like thunder, uh, they have been known to run away, and um, uh, an accident would certainly spook uh, any animal. Any animal. So, Max the cat's home, right? Happy story. Well, I'm wearing my Yellowstone shirt in uh, commemoration of another uh, story, another good story, a new story. Actually, it's a phenomenal story because if you remember how bad the damage was at Yellowstone National Park last month with those torrential rains that washed away roads, um, the park has now opened all of its entrances as of Saturday, uh, July 12th. And the other thing that they've done is they've done away with that license plate alternating day system, which they were using to limit... Um, uh, traffic into the park, you know, to control it as they were fixing things up. 93% of the roads are now open in Yellowstone. That's just incredible. Um, the northern entrance opened, but right now you can only come in from the north as uh, work continues there on the roads. However, most parts of the northern loop now... You have to enter on foot. Yeah, uh, the nor if you're coming in from like Silver City, one of the northern entrances, or Gardner, um, but... Um, now you can uh, you can you can get to most of the northern places in the loop by car, and you just will. And the traffic uh, the, where the roads are, are not passable are close to the entrance, so you can get almost to there, and you can walk in and explore. Um, but that's just phenomenal. Hats off to all of those maintenance folks at Yellowstone, the rangers, the superintendent, and the staff that got this uh, treasure of a park, America's first national park back open again. I am absolutely amazed because yeah. seeing those pictures, I didn't think it would be open for a very long time. They talked all year, they were thinking. Oh, yeah. And speaking about Yellowstone and everybody being back at the park, a danger that people forget about that we have to remind you of about the bison. Two people were gored by bison last week. In one week. In one week. And one person was on a boardwalk and he just got too close the bison just got too close to him you got to be aware of what's going on well he was with uh, a child and some other people and it appeared that he was trying to save his child to get the child out of the way of the bison which was coming to them they weren't doing anything wrong the bison came to them and he was getting the child out and the whole the, the, says Bo says <laughs> Bo Bo says you got to be careful yeah, yeah. And the whole thing was recorded, Bo, the whole thing was recorded on video. As everything that happens in Yellowstone. <laughs> Nothing is. can happen without being recorded. And the other attack happened at Storm Point at Yellowstone Lake, where the, a woman, aged 71, was with her daughter returning to their vehicle at a trailhead 
when a bison charged. Now, she didn't even know the bison was there. It just, you know, there, you know how narrow uh, it, those trails are, and the bison happened to be on it, saw them, and came after them. They, again, they didn't do anything wrong. I always wonder when there's something like that, if somebody else has done something in the past that kind of made the bison a little upset or something, or maybe oh. the bison's just having a bad day. But anyway, in, in both incidents last week, the people survived, and uh, so this that brings to three the number of people gored by a bison at Yellowstone since it's open. Yeah, and that's, three, that's and this that's year. Three too many. Three this year. a long year ahead of us. And Yellowstone, they urge people, all visitors, to stay 25 yards away from uh, bison. 75 feet, that is, just in case you're confused. <laughs> stay all, away. All of the bison, because they're unpredictable. And they can run three times faster than a person. And I remember once when you were using your cell phone, and I was looking at this bison, and I was too close, and he started. I was in the. I was in the, in the car. in the RV. And I got out to look at him. You were just standing right next to the RV. Yeah. And he said he was coming towards you. He started snorting. So, yeah. enough yeah, of that. So you quietly backed up, got yeah. back in the RV, and he just he came within five six feet of the RV. He just kept on walking past, but. Yeah. So. So you have to be careful. Be careful. These are wild animals. This yeah. isn't a Walt they're Disney. They're not cute. Isn't a I mean, they're Disney not cute little things. They're big, dangerous, beautiful they, animals. They can be pretty cute, though. If, from a distance, through from a telephoto distance. lens. From a distance. All right. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about the RV industry. Has the boom ended? If so, what does it mean to you? Stay with us. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites, well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. On July 30th, there's a big lakefront sales event at the Landings in Tennessee. Jennifer and I visited the Landings just west of Nashville. They offer incredible RV lakefront properties, up to 70 times the size of a typical RV lot, with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet-friendly. It's gated and secure with high-speed internet available. There's even free RV and boat storage. It's a wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. Ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts start at only $59,900. There's financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlakefrontland.com. That's rvlakefrontland.com. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battle-borne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is our section two and the topic of the week. Has the RV boom come to an end? 
and we're going to talk about it and I'm going to give you some evidence why I think it probably has and what that means to all of us but we want to first of all say like every other segment of society um, inflation um, shortages have been major issues that the RV industry has been mightily struggling with for two years now you have no idea the amount of pressure this industry has been on to meet up meet the incredible demand they had for their products I mean everybody wanted to RV everybody wanted to RV yeah I mean that's the only thing you could do to get away and be socially distanced we like to say that we were socially distant before it was cool. Um, but add to all of that, the plant shutdowns that they had to do with COVID. I mean, you just don't shut down entire manufacturing processes and instantly get them back online again. Um, backlogged orders, because the orders kept coming in. Uh, a severe worker shortage. I mean, I, I think I read the other day that uh, for much of last year, Elkhart had the lowest unemployment rate uh, in the country because of the RV industry. Uh, add all those things and it's a crisis that the industry had and that the industry fought very hard. Uh, and just as the calendar turned to 2022, uh, it was largely overcoming many of those obstacles. Inventory levels at dealers around the country, you've probably noticed they were starting to get back close to normal. They were increasing. I mean, finally, dealers had RVs that they could show to consumers, and um, it was it was pretty exciting. Um, often those RVs had a higher price uh, than when somebody ordered it, but at least they were starting to deliver some of those orders. And then came talk of a word that nobody wanted to say. The price of gasoline well, and diesel. That that did it. That was being the set old weekly. Inflation. And that's the first sign. Uh, but this word that nobody wanted to say, uh, because they remembered what happened when it hit in 2008, it all but crippled the industry, the darkest days in the industry's history. The word that they didn't want to say that was becoming a reality, recession. And it was because of those fuel prices. They were rising. Uh, they started setting records literally every week, sometimes every day. Uh, and, and I mean, right now, in just a few months, the prices have basically doubled for fuel. Gas routinely, we see it as we've traveled this past week, routinely $5 a gallon for gas, even 87 octane. And diesel, $6. Diesel is 6 bucks. Outrageous it fuel is. pump it prices. Is. And um, that certainly in itself would be enough to cool uh, a heated up market. But the double whammy hit last month when the Fed uh, increased interest rates dramatically. So rising interest rates mean much less attractive financing and many buyers, uh, because of the prices, were priced out even before that. So what COVID couldn't do, uh, what the supply chain mess couldn't do, what all the other issues failed to do, those ever-rising fuel costs and the interest rate hikes have done. They have curbed the unprecedented public demand for RVs. Not a lot, not yet, but steadily, bit by bit, and the industry is seeing the writing on the wall. The RV boom, I think of record demand, record sales, is not what it is even just a few months ago.
Um, so we've heard about in recent weeks the uh, industry, some of the big manufacturers have announced what they call production adjustments. And that means they're slowing down the assembly lines. Uh, one major RV uh, maker that we know of has gone to a four-day production uh, schedule uh, in an effort to cut costs and to be poised for whatever's coming next. Uh, others, I'm sure, are doing similar adjustments. To a certain degree, uh, this sort of happens every summer because, you know, most of the orders are placed in the summer, they're delivered in the fall, and then uh, in, this, in the fall, the, you see shipments up because they're getting built and delivered. And then every summer, there's a little bit of a drop-off. But against this backdrop of bad economic news on every single front, the downturn that we're seeing now is viewed much more ominously than in other years. I mean, the stock market, let's just give a couple examples, is... Uh, Hitting the bottom line of RV manufacturers hard. Shares for RV markers for RV makers are down an average of more than 30% right now. And uh, even despite record sales, which were up as much as 85% compared to three years ago in those pre-COVID days, uh, RV Business News did a story about the bumpy ride being faced by the RV industry last week, in which it noted that 70% of RV dealers said that demand had slowed noticeably from April on. A study by a financial company called Truist found 25% of all the dealers said they were already uh, overstocked. They, had, they were too heavy on inventory. And that is a first in more than four years and it's not a good sign for a continuing RV boom. Um, JD Power, uh, measures uh, sales and economic trends and said that the average retail value across all classes of RVs in the U.S. has been dropping. And if you need some more confirmation, Black Book, which is, you know, praises retail value um, um, of vehicles, uh, they did the, they released the Black Book RV commentary for July 2023, um, I'm sorry, 2022, and prices which had been going up for most of the past two years have reversed course. Um, the average selling price for a motorhome, 68948 that's down $4,400 from just the previous month. That is a pretty uh, steep decline, that's 6%. Uh, towable in a month, towables also down. Average price of $20,196, that's down three point two percent from the month before so uh, that's why the industry is starting to step back and say whoa uh, it's time for us to get really smart about uh, the level of production we're doing and the way we're marketing and we've got to really tighten the reins now what does that mean to you as an RV uh, lifestyle uh, a proponent as a as a consumer uh, well well well, I think that the RV boom is certainly coming to an end, uh, if it hasn't already. It's not necessarily all bad news uh, for consumers as it is in the boardrooms of the big RV companies. Yeah, we should be able to get better prices. That's, I think, the first thing, that prices will start to come down. I mean, right now, if you were to buy a, a new RV, they're going to ask most dealers, although that's changing fast, 
most dealers have been up until the last uh, month or two have been pretty much uh, going MSRP, manufacturer suggested retail price, or over and used RVs. Used RVs often were selling uh, for more than they cost new. Now, it has been a seller's market. That's easing. It's going to become, I'm predicting, more of a buyer's market, or it's going to at least level out a little bit. And consumers always fare better when it becomes a buyer's market. Uh, we've already noted there's more inventory, and that's good. Uh, and Jennifer just talked about high retail prices. Uh, they're still there, but they're coming down, and we think that, that that's what you're going to see happen, that uh, some of the prices are going to get closer to MSRP, and we hope that the trend of falling prices for consumers continues. Uh, I do think that they're going to sell closer to that eventually. You're trying to tell me we need to sell our wonder? We have been talking about selling our wonder because we look at something and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, our wonder has been selling for more than we paid for it, but uh, yeah, we might have missed that. I love that it so much, I don't want to let it go. Yeah, we're using it this week, actually. So um, maybe there'll be a discount again when you go to an RV dealer and they'll actually do some dealing with you. I mean, real dealing, not just the paper stuff that many dealers kind of play games with. Uh, so I think that, that we'll see pricing leveling off a little bit. Uh, on new and on unused ones. And then um, something else, um, I think that we're going to see improved quality. And, and the reason why is I think it's because of those adjusted production schedules. Sometimes that's a code word for layoffs. Um, because I think those workers who are building RVs uh, in the months to come are generally going to be those with seniority, you know, the first hired uh, are usually uh, the last fired. It's usually done on a seniority basis. So I think that a lot of the new production workers who came in, and that I think our sources in the industry say that's where most of the quality issues come from, just inexperience. They're, the people who are going to be building RVs are going to be, have more experience. And that's, that's I think, equates to more quality. Um, now, I want to stress that I don't think that the RV industry is going to collapse. I don't think it's going to fare as poorly as it did in 2008. I mean, the challenges that the industry faced post-COVID and the way it overcame them and was able to meet uh, a lot of demand despite a deck that was stacked against them, it shows how resilient uh, and how creative the industry really is now. But I do think it's going to cool down considerably like everything else in the country in the months ahead. Um, because even with lessening demand, uh, you got to know that the industry is in much better shape than it was before COVID. Americans clearly love the RV lifestyle. Millions of newcomers have come in since COVID. And that love is not going to change. People may slow down temporarily their travel until we see some kind of movement with fuel prices. But... Um, the RV lifestyle is, is not going to be diminished in popularity. I don't see that happening at all. And I think the CEOs and the people running these companies have just really been challenged and have done a good job. Yeah, I, I think largely they have. Um, so uh, the industry is going to level off a bit. Uh, expect that. And uh, for consumers, I think we're going to regain some of the clout that we used to have when it comes to uh, getting better prices on RVs. Uh, I think it, quality is going to improve. 
Uh, inventory is going to uh, be there. There's going to be a little more competition uh, between dealers and manufacturers, which always results in better prices. And I think, as we say, that uh, those prices will improve. Well, that's what we think. What do you think? Uh, here's our address, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Send us your comments, your questions, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll share them. We'd love to hear what you think. When we come back, we'll hear what you think, feedback, and your questions. Stay with us. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it, as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for your feedback and your questions. Let's start with your feedback that we've received from you this past week. And again, you can reach us through our personal email, Mike and Jen at RVLIFESTYLE.com. You want to start off? All right, I've got one from Brittany. And she says, I just wanted to share a quick story that may save a life. I am new to camping. Never camped until my husband wanted a camper. So he went out and bought one. We always have camped together and he knows everything about it because he does the work on it. And he grew up camping, not so much me, because I just never cared to learn things about it because this is his thing. And I'm along for the ride. Well, so I thought. So, we fast forward to now. I am living in the camper out of state because my OBGYN is in Michigan, but my husband's business is in Florida, so he is there. I am juggling my pregnancy and raising two boys, and he is coming back and forth as much as possible. Wow. <laughs> well, I am learning the ropes of owning a camper by default because he is not here to do things. Well, today I smelled a foul scent. It smelled like rotten chicken. I thought it was my eggs while I was uh, cooking them on my Ninja air fryer. So I took a deep smell, but it wasn't the eggs. So I opened the refrigerator and checked the chicken. The chicken was still good. Then I smelled this can of black beans and it smelled bad. And I chalked up the scent to that. Meanwhile, my two-year-old said he was too cold. So I shut the AC off and opened the door to get the scent out. I called my mom and sister and told them about how these nasty black beans stunk up our camper and carried on with my morning. Right before I was about to leave to take my son to the library, I went to turn the AC on and this alarm started going off. It startled me and I looked at my son and, and he wasn't into anything. Uh, there wasn't a fire and I kind of blew it off. As I walked to the truck, it just didn't sit well with me that this brand new camper would just have an alarm go off for no reason. So I went back to the camper and I looked over everything and I noticed the stove was turned on. I called my husband immediately. He told me that it was likely the alarm going off 
because there was so much propane in the air. And it's a good thing that I didn't use the stove because the camper definitely would have blown up. It obviously upset me and I thought about it and how important it is for me to learn how to do all this stuff around the camper and to check things for the safety of our family. When I told my sister's husband about this at dinner, he told me his brother-in-law's brother just died because of a gas leak he had in his house and when he went to turn on the stove, he ended up with third degree burns and didn't survive. I feel very fortunate that nothing happened to my family and I. I took the knobs off the stove because I don't use the stoves to cook. But for people who just sit back and let your partner do the dirty work, I encourage you to educate yourself on everything so you do not get hurt. Two pairs of eyes is always better than one. I feel foolish even admitting my ignorance, but it may save a life. Stay safe and enjoy your travels. Wow. Well, that really speaks to me because I let you do all the dirty work. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany, for sharing that. And, um, you know, that's why so many RVers uh, are afraid of propane. They don't like propane. Yeah. Uh, they, um, go, they prefer induction or electric uh, cooking, mm -hmm. even though that's hard on their, uh, on their, bat on their batteries, you know. But uh, uh, propane, you've got to be careful, and particularly just as, at home. It was just... She just somebody a kid maybe had done it. I don't know. They'd left the air on and it was the sleeping out. Propane on. Yeah. Just a little bit. Well, I've got one that, that came in. I've shared recently how we have been uh, fueling our truck at uh, when we we're towing our fifth wheel at uh, commercial pumps at some of the big uh, fuel centers around the country, and how I really like doing that because it has a big nozzle and it really fills that F two fifty that we use to tow our fifth wheel. And it's much easier getting the fifth wheel in using the commercial pumps. Plus, I have a, a diesel fuel discount card, and you have to use those pumps to get the discount. Well, uh, a good reminder comes from one of our readers named Ben. Ben is in a Class B motorhome, and he mentions this. He says, you have been mentioning getting diesel at truck stops with your new pickup. However, your listeners should be aware that the large diameter commercial truck filler nozzles may not fit many diesel passenger vehicles, including the Mercedes-Benz diesel sprinter van chassis. Uh, these frequently are fitted with a device that restricts the neck of the filler to accept only automotive diesel nozzles, which are slightly larger than gas nozzles, but smaller than commercial truck nozzles. While you can buy adapters to use in emergencies, uh, be aware if you use an adapter, they prevent the overflow sensors from working, so if you're not watching your fill up, you could spill some on the ground. Uh, watch out for those larger nozzles, and it depends obviously what kind of a vehicle you have. Our Ford diesel pickup has the, the big receptacle to accept those nozzles. But it wouldn't uh, if we had, uh, if we were towing like on our Unity, which um, is a Sprinter diesel. I remember in the past, We've had a lot of different RVs. You saying that the gas spilled out all the time, yes. or you were standing in gas because other people had spilt it all oh, over. Oh yeah, that's the trouble with diesel. There's always yeah. a lot of diesel spills. All right, that's our feedback. Now we had a couple of questions that came in. You want to go with okay, the first one? I'll go with the first one. This is from Bernard, and he says, I remember you had issues with your fob key and your wonder, and that you replaced the lock with a keypad type. Could you share the brand name? We're having issues with our fob and our brand new Unity. It's not just uh, with the Wonder and it's not just with the Unity. Every 
uh, RV we have had that has a key fob on the center door uh, from class B's to class C's eventually that fob gets all discombobulated and it doesn't work so what we did and you remember correctly Bernard is we finally after everybody had a theory you know the battery it's this you got to program it a certain way but it was just very annoying and whenever you needed to get in it wasn't working and so we replaced it and we replaced it with a product called the keyless RV lock just uh, do a search or it's I believe it's rvlock.com we have no connection with that company we're not an affiliate uh, but that's what we use we put that in the wonder and, and I love it and I will probably put one also uh, in the um, fifth wheel even though the fifth wheel doesn't have a fob it works with the key the, the, the entry door but I really like that we plug in a code and uh, and it opens and um, it's so nice so nice so check it out it's rvlock.com it's called the keyless RV lock they have a different size make sure you get the right size for your vehicle their website can tell you how to do it all right and one more it says um, and this this comes to us from who does this come from uh, somebody at uh, Leclerc Power Sports and they say hey guys congratulations on the 400th episode love your podcast you mentioned the adjustable mast for your Starlink system love it can you tell me which one it is we're not full-time yet but we travel a lot and I work on the road when we do and of course the teens want internet and the wife so I just ordered Starlink a few months ago what's the mast you use to get it up in the air and his name is Dale uh, Dale um, again I don't have any connection with this one but it's the RV flagpole just do a search on Amazon you'll find it uh, but do a search for Starlink masts and you'll find many other companies now that are doing this uh, or do a search for um, telescoping masts the one I happen to have is the RV flagpole and it's 22 feet it folds up it telescopes down to about a five or six foot mast uh, you get a couple of brackets that come with it and uh, you can look at my video on YouTube we've got one up there just uh, go look for all the stories we've done on Starlink and uh, you see how I have it mounted but RV flagpole and uh, that makes a big difference getting that mast up over the uh, over the roof uh, and uh, having a clear view of the sky and we're liking Starlink and it's the story we shared earlier in the podcast we can't wait now until we get in motion Starlink mm -hmm. use that'll be a, a game changer for a lot of us out there because we do a lot of work while we're driving one of us drives and the other works although you haven't started to drive the truck pulling the fifth wheel yet no I haven't have I I don't see a I don't see a, 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 a quick solution to that either <laughs> but we're working on it if I'm the only one on the road yeah okay well I guess three o'clock in the morning for a while is good <laughs> all right that's the podcast for this week we hope that you enjoyed it and we hope uh, that you have a great summer of camping ahead uh, we will be back uh, next week with another one don't forget Sunday night Ask us anything on YouTube and on our Facebook RV Lifestyle group. Uh, every Sunday night, 7 o'clock, we're live answering your questions. But until then, we'll see you on our next podcast uh, next week. Happy trails.